Welcome to Sports and Songs Podcast. This is episode eight from season two with your co-hosts, Dan and Andy. Andy, how are you this Thursday evening? Doing good, doing good. How about today's, you? Today's January 14th here. We've got NFL divisional game football coming up. Some of these uh, results, of course, will change by the time you see this broadcast or hear the podcast on Anchor on Sunday morning at 9 a.m., but we'll do our best to fill you in on the uh, sports, music, athletes, albums, concerts. But first. All sorts of things. Trivia first. Oh, this is, this is good. Let's start off with trivia. I got a good trivia question this week. Cleveland Browns will be in the divisional playoff game this Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, for those of us around our age, Andy, we've always known about the poor performance of the Cleveland Browns in the, in the postseason. Never yep. been to a Super Bowl, never won a Super Bowl, only been to the AFC title game three times, all in the 80s, and they, all, they lost to the Denver Broncos and John Elway every single time. The fumble, the, the drive. Fumble. You know, even and when the they drive. have good, the good teams, they get in there and get to this thing called the drive or the fumble. The Broncos go to the Super Bowl, and that's it. So the question is, if they win this game on Sunday, they'll be going to the AFC title game. The last time they've been to the AFC championship game was 30 years ago today. Today's the 30-year anniversary of them going to the AFC title game January wow. 15, uh, 1990. So they have a long, we'll call it a dry spell or a drought. Right? <laughs> now, for those of us older than us, Andy, uh, as we do have a lot of listeners uh, in their 50s, 60s, 70s, yes. and 80s, well, we don't know. I'm not sure. Well, that's not name names. They may remember this. Back in the day, prior to the AFL-NFL merger, the Cleveland Browns were a very good team and very successful in the postseason and the playoffs. The question is, before the AFL-NFL merger, the Cleveland Browns won multiple NFL championships. NFL, uh, prior to the merger. The question for this week is how many NFL titles did the Cleveland Browns win prior to the merger? Not just. It's more than two. We'll just leave it at that. Yes. That's the question. And also just so people know, when the Cleveland Browns moved to Baltimore for the Ravens, that started a new franchise. The Ravens did not take over the Browns' history for – Years and sense of playoff drought like other teams when they move. So don't get confused. We say, hey, the Ravens won a Super Bowl. Try to call us out on the BS. When they moved to Baltimore, that was a fresh start because the city of Cleveland got to keep the name Browns in case they ever got a team back. So remember that when you're trying to figure out your dates for the answer. Don't try to push your race on the nasty emails right now. We cleared it up right there. But if you do send a nasty email, it's attention Dan on that one because he. Yes. All right. So what have um, you got for some high school sports, Andy? You know, some of them have started. I have not seen any new rankings or anything yet. I know some teams have started with practices. Um, they have updated what could happen. I guess they said, uh, and when they mentioned some of these sports, I'm like, obviously, they say during the games, not only on the bench, but while participating, they want the kids wearing masks. I'm not a doctor. 
I'm related to a few, but I'm not a doctor. This cannot be a good thing. Um, I've seen some videos of kids and practices dropping already. They did say uh, swimming and diving doesn't need a mask. Good for them. Wrestling doesn't need a mask and cheerleading. Um, I'm surprised they didn't throw a dance line in on that, being a dance dad. A lot of their scores for dance is based on facial expressions. You've just taken half the routine away. And all that money those parents spend on makeup, trust me, wasted. <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised if dance gets a change on that one. Um, they might change some of the rules for things. But um, hockey, I, I thought they're kind of basically wearing a shield anyway. I don't know why they need a mask for that one. Basketball is going to get ugly, I think. You're going to see people getting sick, getting dehydrated, dropping, whatever. Hopefully, before the meat of the schedule gets started to get started here, they make some changes. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. They got to do something. But I don't have any scores or updates or standings. Just uh, they're working on things. Uh, check your local high school's uh, websites and Facebook pages for games, and we'll go from there. As for college sports, they, life goes on there. Still wearing the mask on the sidelines, not while playing. Um, got some updated top fives here for everybody for men's basketball. We'll start college men's basketball. One Gonzaga still. Uh, Baylor two. Villanova three, Texas four, and Iowa five. Iowa looked really good against the Gophers last weekend, I thought. Uh, some other Big Ten teams in the top 25. Seven is Michigan who's just the last three games been playing out of their minds. Michigan's going to be a fun team to watch. Wisconsin, Illinois, the Ohio State, and the Gophers at 23. Uh, Wisconsin was 9, Illinois 14, the Ohio State 21, and the Gophers at 23. Uh, women's basketball, Stanford 1, UConn 2, Oregon 3, South Carolina 4, and Baylor 5. Uh, some of the local schools up there for top 25 for women. Number eight, the Ohio State, 10, Maryland, 12, Indiana, Michigan at 13, Rutgers, 17, and at 21, South Dakota. Just keep an eye on them. It'll be fun to watch in the, in the tournament there. Uh, men's hockey, college men's hockey. Uh, number one, Gophers, two, North Dakota, Boston College at three. Those two kind of flip-flop from last week. St. Cloud State at four, Minnesota State at five, uh, UMD at seven, and Bowling Green at eight. Um, women's hockey, for the first time in seven years, Minnesota won. Both Minnesota men and women number one at the same time. So that's kind of neat. Uh, the Chiefsheads at two, The Ohio State at three, Northeastern at four, Colgate five for women's hockey. Always been one of the go for hockey teams, always been number one for a while. Um, I think this was 2014 or 2017, something like that one. They were both number one last. So it's nice to see we got number one again. Uh, wrestling, Iowa one, Penn State two, Michigan three, North Carolina State four, Oklahoma State five. Uh, schedule's coming up for these next couple weeks. Go for men's basketball. They're at 10 and four right now, like we said, ranked up there. Uh, the 16th will be at home at, uh, against Michigan. That should be a very good game. Michigan's been hot. They're ranked 7th. That should be a good game. Uh, then the 20th at Nebraska. And Nebraska's never 
an easy win. Uh, Fred Hoiberg's doing a good job there coaching. Uh, then the 23rd is Maryland here. So that's a go for basketball. Women are at two and six. Um, you can't say a rebuilding year for college basketball. You just say it's a young team. We didn't have a lot of graduates the last couple of years. So very young teams will go, you know, follow them now. So when they start doing good a couple of years, you could say, I knew that I was watching them then. So start following them now. Uh, women's schedule coming up 14th at home against Maryland and the 19th at Nebraska and the 25th at Penn State. Uh, men's hockey, 11 and one. Uh, 15th and 16th here against Notre Dame. And then the weekend after, Arizona State is in town. Women's hockey, 8 and 1. This weekend at Wisconsin. So, number one against number two. Uh, if you get a chance to watch those games, it should be fun to watch those two. And then uh, a couple weeks, the week off, then the 29th and 30th are at Ohio State for the women. Wrestling is at 0 and 1. Uh, they got a dual meet coming up the 16th at Michigan State. It's us, Michigan State, and Maryland. Um, then the 22nd here at here at home against Iowa, number one ranked Iowa. Then Bemidji State University local sports coming up. Men's basketball one and three right now. This weekend they're at Minnesota State University Moorhead, and then the next weekend they host you Mary, and then the women have the reverse schedule. Like we said, they're not they're playing in reverse so. The women are hosting Moorhead this week than they're at UMary the next. Uh, that conference is doing that just to avoid double headers, stuff like that. Uh, hockey for BSU. At 3-4-2 and two this weekend was supposed to be at home against Alabama Huntsville. As you all saw on the Facebook page today, that game was postponed due to COVID. Uh, rescheduled for March 5th and 6th right now. And then the 21st, 22nd against Bowling Green, who's ranked number one in the WCHA right now. So, uh, and fifth overall. So, Bowling Green, good team, but got a few weeks to get ready for that. Women's hockey up in Bemidji, they're 1 6 and 1. This weekend they're at St. Cloud State. Then the next weekend they host UMD. A uh, little reminder NASCAR reminder. Big day, February 14th, big day. Daytona 500. I don't care what anyone says. Spring training opens on the 14th. Daytona 500 on February 14th. The slate is full. There's got to be something else on the 14th. Any holidays? Might be a birthday or someone or something, anniversary. I don't know. Daytona 500. Spring training. Come on. Um, Some Major League Baseball notes. Uh, Han Soon Kim of the Korean Baseball League has signed with the Padres. Um, so those of you who are up early in the morning or watch the replays of Korean baseball, yeah, I know, you're not going to remember the name either, but some of these guys are coming over to the majors. It's Like I said, it was fun minor league baseball to watch. And uh, Leon Hendricks, uh, of A's relief pitcher from last year, uh, number one relief pitcher, uh, predicted to be the top reliever this year uh, from Australia, has signed with the White Sox. So the A's lost him, now he's with the White Sox. So now, Twins fans, when we watch TV games, we can see the best reliever in baseball for a while. Um, the Mets, still trying to sign people. Uh, today they made a, a, some more uh, signings, but not in the Lindor cookie uh, situation, but also 
The Mets are still looking at the George Springer situation. Uh, George Springer, outfielder for Houston, and Trevor Bauer of the Reds. Me, personally, I'd rather see George Springer. Bauer had one good year. I mean, his numbers weren't that great last year, I don't think. I, they were good, don't get me wrong. Not enough for the money he's asking. Um, I just, I'm always leery of pitchers who have one, maybe two good years in a row, and they get the big contract, and then they're done. Uh, Pitching is a real tough one to pick uh, high dollars with. The only time I'd pay someone high for a pitcher is if he came up through your system. If he has two good years and you pay him big and it blows up in your face, I could stomach that. When you try to get the free agent pitcher and it blows up in your face, that's a tough one to swallow. So, um, after the Lindor trade, the Cleveland Indians, we still got another year calling the Indians, so we'll take advantage of it. Cleveland Indians, their team payroll is going to be $35 million estimated this year. Mike Trout is supposed to make $37 million this year. Just to say, but you know, you say that, but you know what? How many years have the Tampa Bay Rays had low payrolls? The Twins in the late 80s had low payrolls and did well. So, and Mike Trout making $37 million this year. How many rings does he have? How many playoff appearances does he have? Just saying. Um, also, um, Thomas Harrigan of Major League Baseball has been reporting. Free agent righty Corey Kluber um, has been working out for about 25 different teams. Now, if you remember Kluber, hey, won a couple Cy Youngs. He was up there. Then he had some injuries the last couple of years. So, again, here's that deal. He was good injury i'd have no problem signing him i'm not signing him for a wheelbarrow of cash though i mean i'll sign him to a decent contract you know i i'm not going to expect him to be cyan contender again not after the injuries he can't but it's worth a shot um he'd fractured his right arm when he was hit by a line drive and also he had uh some tore uh tendon last year so it's not like it was Tommy John surgery, but still, two years off. We'll see what happens, Mr. Kluber. Um, getting back to uh, hockey news. Uh, NHL, starting right now this weekend. Uh, the Minnesota Wild will be playing a lot of West Coast games. We're in the West Division this year. Uh, they've always kind of been, they've been in the West Division anyway, but it's going to be really West Coast games. For you Bemidji State alum, or if you happen to be in Bemidji this weekend and you're talking hockey, a couple of names, Brad Hunt of the Wild, former Bemidji State Beaver. Well, once, as their tagline says, once a beaver, always a beaver. Uh, they'll play against the Las Vegas, who's got Zach Whitecloud, recent BSU grad. So two BSU alum. Face-to-face when we watch those games. And them being in the same division, you're going to play each other a lot. So anytime you get to watch Las Vegas and Minnesota play, you got two Bemidji State, Bemidji State alum playing. So it's nice to see the kids. Now, Bemidji State's not a small school for hockey. It is up with the big boys. But still, I don't know many kids learning to play hockey five, six years old going, Dad, I want to play at BSU one day. They're not the popular team, so you don't see a lot of the names up there. But one day, kids are going to want to play there. 
they got a good program up there, good things going up there. As we just went over their records, not maybe this year, but they're still fun to watch. I think all sports, pro and college, these last couple of years, someone has a down year. I hate to say I'm giving them the mulligan on it, but I'm not going to hold it against them either. You know, the sad, the only thing I'm afraid of is this is where bad habits start now. Um, Vince Lombardi had a famous quote, winning is contagious. Unfortunately, so is losing. That's what I'm afraid is going to happen with some of these teams, pro or college, for any reason like this. Oh, we're no good. Okay, fine. Feel that way. You're, it's contagious. You, you, you're going to do terrible. But don't make excuses going, well, we're no good because of this coronavirus stuff. Don't make excuses. If you're no good, something's wrong. Fix it. Don't make excuses. But that's that. Um, I got a few concerts to mention here coming up. I checked some of the sites. No one's really opening up stuff yet. Don't be surprised with your local bars. Someone's on the patio this weekend playing. No one's really advertising things. But, again, call your local establishments. See if they got anything going on. Uh, Medina, the one thing they got listed in Medina right now is on January 30th, the Bob FM Listener Appreciation Party. They give out their CD again there. That's that's always a fun one to go to. And February 26th, Arena Rocks with opening band Heartless, a uh, heart tribute band. And February 27th, Uncle Chuck with the Atomic Playboys opening up. So there's a couple. I didn't go too far out because, again, other bands rescheduling going in. I know we've mentioned other ones. Medina Entertainment Center, check it out. Um, I've been there for some shows. Very good. Very good place to go. Roberts, eat at Roberts beforehand. Unpaid plug there. They're not paying. Roberts is a good show downstairs. You go upstairs and eat and watch the concert. And you know what? Cheap little Medina Hotel right there next to it. Stay there, have a few cocktails, enjoy yourself, and walk across the parking lot call it a night. So good times to be head out there at Medina. Um, that's really all I got. You know, with the football playoffs coming up, we got our picks. We put them online. Um, I watched, I didn't watch many of the games. I kind of watched the beginning of the few. Cleveland really impressed me. Um, they played good now, but they're up 28 nothing. That was an accident. 20, I'm not taking it away from Cleveland, but fumble recovery in the end zone. Two interceptions inside your own. I mean, my goodness, you better be up 28 nothing when it's handed to you like that. Um, not saying Pittsburgh handed again. I'm saying you had three golden opportunities right there. How many times have you seen that happen? And it's 13 to nothing, not 21 nothing. So Cleveland capitalized with their head coach at home because he couldn't be there. Other starting alignment are out because of COVID. So. The fact they didn't fall apart, that's what impressed me right there. That, that was where the team, I think, got each other. Yeah, I didn't pick them to win, but you know what? They really proved team to me last week. Um, that's kind of what it's all about. Now, I was very impressed with that part of it. Um, I got to be that coach, Stavansky. First year there, you get your team to the playoffs, and you have to sit at home and watch it. <laughs> you know, and then they win without you, you know, <laughs> Um, one other thing we saw today before we came on, congratulations to the latest billionaire in sports, Urban Meyer. 
Um, I don't have the exact numbers, but he signed with the Jags, head coached on there. Uh, the Cons have signed him. Um, I don't know. Big-time coaches and call it Jimmy Johnson's the exception. Good in college, goes good pro. And don't give me Barry Switzer was good in the pros. I could have coached that Cowboys team to the Super Bowl that year. I mean, Jimmy Johnson handed him the keys to the best football team in the world. I could have coached him to the Super Bowl. Uh, but so Jimmy Johnson's one of the few that made it. Um, college football, we had our national championship. We were both right. It'd be a blowout. Um, the talk that comes up a lot now because of that, um, Nick Saban, Coach Bear Bryant. Who's the better one? Because they both got seven titles. You know what? It's just like saying who's better between MJ and LeBron. You can't compare them. It's different. Bear Bryant had the championships there, so people were going, that's a championship team. I want to go play for a championship. But today with Nick Saban and you're winning championships, kids are going, I want to play at Alabama so I can be on TV and go pro. When Bear Bryant was getting players, they weren't getting TV deals. They weren't worried about being on TV. They just wanted to win. That's why they went there. And nothing against Saban. Yeah, they want to win. Don't get me wrong. But they want to go pro and be on TV. That's why they go there. Nick Saban never has recruited in years. He doesn't need to. He just has that little fancy A on his hat and whoever he wants he gets. And Bear Bryant had the same thing. Only Bear Bryant looked better in his hat. Um, but the, you can't compare. Don't compare coaches from different genres. I mean, decades. Lifetimes. You know, you can't compare how they were done. This happened to both be at Alabama. That's that's where the comparison, that, that's the similarity ends right there. They're both Alabama. It was different recruiting back then. Um, yeah, Nick Staben changed his style of play through his course, so kudos to that. But still, you can't compare them who was the better coach because they both had the, yeah, but we win all the time. Don't you want to come here and get a championship? That was their pitch for both of them. That's, again, the other one, a similarity. Um, the reason I say Bear Bryant was the better coach, if I had to pick one, it's a 55-45, I say Bear Bryant, because of the technology. Bear Bryant had that little pocket of people to pick from. He didn't get a lot of tape and take a lot of road trips to Portland or, you know, Pittsburgh to watch kids play. I doubt he went to Texas and Florida that much, to tell you the truth. He just had that little region of people down there to draw from. Oh, yeah, other I'm sure he got kids from the West Coast and Upper East Coast. But he'd have to make a lot of road trips to watch. He didn't get a lot of film from there to watch. Um, if he did get film, it was a month old by the time he got there. He didn't push two buttons on his computer and watch this afternoon's game from Portland, like Nick Saban can, or Nick Saban's crew can. And again, that was everything. Nick Saban had his, how many guys recruiting for him? Compared to Bear Bryant had how many guys recruiting for him? Again, big differences there. But still, like I said, I like Bear Bryant better because I guess I'm just old school that way. It's about 60-40, though. It's not a runaway. Just because the technology and the game changed, that's – it's a different game. I give Saban credit for changing his style of coaching from run, 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 run it down your throat to 
learning how to pass the ball. Nick Saban's had the guts to, in the middle of a game, put in two a couple years ago to come from behind to win. So Saban gets credit for that too. But like I said, Bryant, because of the recruiting, I give him the edge. Uh, that's what I got. That's my that's my soapbox there for a little bit. Um, like I said, just follow your high schools. Hopefully we'll have more stuff to report on them later. But speaking of the Cleveland Browns, as I did earlier, your trivia question, young man. Trivia question. Uh, the answer, uh, sorry, the question is uh, Cleveland has been very horrendous in the postseason since the AFL-NFL merger. But before then, they were very good. The answer to the question is eight. Uh, Cleveland Browns had eight NFL championships, all in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. So they were a perennial team, always very good, and uh, brought home the bacon, brought home – Brought home titles to the city of Cleveland, but just not since 1964, I think, was the last time. So it's the drought is huge. So we'll see how they do. The games for this Saturday are Rams against Green Bay. And, and hopefully here, Rams can pull it out over the Packers on the Saturday. That's a 335 start for the divisional game. And then the Baltimore at Buffalo game is a 715 start on Saturday. Remember now. Winners advance to the title game the following Sunday. On Sunday, this Sunday, Cleveland at KC, the two uh, superstar young quarterbacks facing each other. But the late game, it's going to be Tampa Bay at New Orleans, where the two quarterbacks are over age 40. Breeze uh, against Brady in the late game there. That's a, the first game is 2.05 p.m. The late game is 5.40 p.m. on Sunday, and so the winners advance to the AFC and the NFC title games the following week. Those games should be good. And like you mentioned, the breaking news: Urban Meyer, he's going to a Jacksonville team that that lost what 15 games this year. Yep. His record, college football win loss record, is 83 and nine or something to that effect. Yeah, that was uh, at Ohio State, 109 and 23 overall. Overall, okay. You know, so this, this man uh, is, is going to a team that's used to losing, and he's used to winning and very rarely losing at all. But they will also get the number one draft pick this season as well. Now, Andy, I've got college note, one college basketball yep. note for UConn yep. women's. Now, oh, yeah. uh, I've been pushing the – try to watch the, the UConn women's team. They're now ranked second in the nation. They've had a bunch of scheduling conflicts and postponements due to the pandemic, but when you get a chance, watch them, and I can't stress it enough, to see Paige Becker's play, she's the uh, Hopkins grad uh, out of Minnesota here, a true freshman playing and starting. Uh, she's currently leading the team in five offensive categories as a true freshman. Minutes played, points, three-point percentage, uh, steals, and one other category. She's leading the team. So she's the be basically the best player on the number two ranked team in the nation. Now, an article came out today with the top 25 individual women's college players across the nation. She made the list at number six, the sixth She's best college basketball women's player in the country right now. And so I can't stress it enough when they get back uh, on the road to playing, then they will be on television uh, a couple times here coming up. Try to watch the UConn Huskies. Uh, that is a, a fun group to, to watch. So that's She's all got I've got on. Player of the week. She's had player of the week like five out of six weeks or something too. 
She puts numbers up with uh, a ton, ton of rebounds and assists and steals and points, and she's in there all the time and doesn't get much break, uh, and she's their leading three-point shooter as well. All right, just doubling back to the football playoffs. Yes, you got your Rams hat on, but your picks, you did pick Green Bay. My pick is Green Bay. It's at home to the number one yep, seed. But it would be nice to see the Rams win it. I hear you. I, I do believe the Packers will win. Aaron Rodgers is, is tough. And it's what's the weather supposed to be like? Well, if our weather here Friday gets there Saturday, it could be fun. It's that could be interesting. But yes, I do have the Packers to win. I'm hoping Rams can pull it out. Uh, they're heavy underdogs, but uh, they're a young, fun team to watch. One one stat I heard um, for the AFC, you got Mahomes, you got uh, the kid in Cleveland. Um, B starts with a B. Baker, Baker Mayfield, Mahomes. You got all those quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield is the oldest of the four, twenty five years old. He is. Yeah, he's the he's the old man of the group. They look at the other conference. AFC, you got. Rodgers, Brady, you know, hey, <laughs> Breeze. You got all the old boys in the NFC, all the kids are in the AFC. So be fun to well, watch. The passing of the torch might be happening this year at the Super Bowl. There'll be a lot of youngsters, a lot of youth. Yeah, um, a, lot of, a lot of youth. Uh, speaking of veteran players. Who's uh, our athlete of the week? Well, like I said, speaking of veteran players and the whole Saban Bear Bryant, who's better there? Uh, athlete of the week basically is, in my opinion, the GOAT, the greatest athlete of all time, Muhammad Ali. Uh, Cassius, Cassius Barsenius Clay Jr. was born January 17th, 1942. So he'd be having a birthday on uh, Sunday here. I, uh, he was born in Louisville, Kentucky. He had one brother. He was named after his father, of course, Cassius Mar- Marcellus Clay Sr., who himself was named in honor of the 19th century Republican politician Cassius Marcellus Clay, who was also from the state of Kentucky. Um, so, like I said, Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, they have a birthday, is the athlete of the week. Cassius Clay Jr. was an American professional boxer, activist, entertainer, nicknamed the greatest. He was widely regarded as one of the most significant and celebrated figures of the 20th century and one of the greatest boxers of all time. He began training as an amateur at the age of 12. At 18, he won a gold medal in the light heavyweight division at the 1960 Summer Olympics. See, everybody always remembers him protesting Olympics. He did get Olympic gold at one time, 1960 Summer Olympics. Then he turned professional later that year. He became a Muslim in 1961 and won the World Heavyweight Championship from Sonny Liston. Was a, it was a major upset when he did, did that. That was uh, February 25th, 1964. He was 22 when he won the World Heavyweight title the first time. On March 6th, 1964, he announced that he was no longer be known as Cassius Clay, but would change his name to Muhammad Ali. In 1966, Ali refused to be drafted to the military, citing his religious beliefs and ethical opposition from the Vietnam War. He was found guilty of draft evasion and was forced five years in prison and was stripped of his boxing titles. He stayed out of prison, though, because he kept appealing in the decision to the Supreme Court, um, which overturned his conviction in 1971. 
but he had not fought for four years. Kind of like the athletes who did serve, they weren't active in their sport either. So um, he was an uh, active boxer for four years. All his actions um, to the Vietnam War made him an icon with the larger countercultural generation, um, which was a very high-profile figure of the racial pride of young, amongst young African-Americans during the civil rights movement and throughout his career. As a Muslim, Ali was initially, now this is where it gets kind of confusing. Yeah, keep up with Ali here. He was initially affiliated with Elijah Muhammad's Nation of Islam, the NOI. He later disavowed the NOI, adhering to Sunni Islam and supporting racial integration like his former mentor, Malcolm X. So if you kind of know your history of Muslims and stuff back then, Ali was part of the NOI at one time. He denounced them and changed. We are allowed to change. That's kind of part of what he was fighting for, to be able to change. So that's what he did. Uh, he was also a leading heavyweight boxer in the 20th century. And he also remains the only three-time lineal champion of that division. I'm not a boxing expert, but I know they have three different classes, the WBA, WBO. He had all three of them at one time at three different times. Uh, his joint record of beating 21 boxers for the world heavyweight title and winning 14 unified title bouts stood for 35 years. He's the only fighter to have been ranked as the world's best heavyweight by BoxRec 12 times. He's also been ranked amongst BoxRec's box 10 best heavyweights 17 times. And third most in history, he won eight fights that were rated five stars, the third most in history in the heavyweight division. Ali is the only boxer to be named the Ring Magazine Fighter of the Year six times. He has been ranked the greatest heavyweight boxer of all time. He's also been ranked greatest athlete of the 20th century by Sports Illustrated, Sports Personality of the Century by the BBC, and the third greatest athlete of the 20th century by ESPN. Leave it to ESPN to screw everything up. He was third behind Michael Jordan and Babe Ruth. Good company to be in, but ESPN was the only person in the world for the century did not give Ali the nod. Uh, he was involved in several historic boxing matches and feuds, most notably his fights with Joe Frazier, such as the fight of the century and the Thrilla in Manila, and his fight with George Foreman, known as the Rumble in the Jungle, which has been called arguably the greatest sporting event of the 20th century. It was watched by a record estimated television audience of 1 billion viewers worldwide, becoming the world's most watched live television broadcast at the time. Ali thrived in the spotlight. At the time when many fighters let their managers do the talking, he was often the one talking provocative. He was outlandish. Uh, he was known for his trash talking. He often freestyled with rhyme schemes and spoke word poetry, anticipating elements of hip-hop. So even hip-hop music and rap music, Ollie's getting credit for because the way he spoke, he, he even did that. Outside the ring, as we just mentioned, Ali attained a success as a musician, where he received two Grammy nominations. He's also featured as an actor and writer, releasing two autobiographies, 
Ali retired from boxing in 81 to focus on religion and activism. In 1984, he made public his diagnosis of Parkinson's disease, which some reports attribute to his boxing-related injuries, though he and his specialist physicians have disputed this. He remained an active public figure globally, but in his later years made fewer appearances as his condition worsened. He was cared for by his family. Ali died June 3rd, 2016. Um, Ali had the, the rope and dope. Uh, you kind of see Rocky do it in the Rocky movies where he just kind of let his opponent get tired, beating him up, and then Ali would just turn around and pound him. A lot of people say Ali wouldn't have been what he was without Howard Cosell, and Cosell wouldn't have been without Ali. Those two fed off each other. Cosell was the announcer for ABC Sports at the time, and Muhammad Ali being the guy he was. Um, they kind of fed off each other. Straight man, comic, whatever you want to call it, Johnny Carson and McMahon type of relationship. Um, Ali, I respect everything he did as an athlete and as a, a human. I got no problem with what he did. He wanted to cite religious reasons for not going to the military. I get that. Not a card I'd ever play, but I respect someone who would do that and fight for it, not just hide behind it. I mean, he believed it. He didn't go, wait, my religion says I don't have to fight? Yeah, I'll be that religion. That's not why he changed religions for that. So that's why I respect what he did with that part of it. Um, I saw some interviews at the end of his life um, with the Parkinson's and he just didn't speak much at all. And even then, maybe just, maybe because I was a kid watching and grew up, I was still scared of the man. I mean, he still looked like he just, he could take it out with one swing. He just, and I think this was because everybody respected Ali because of what he did. He stood up for his stuff, but he didn't make a stink about it. Like today's whiny cry athletes, LeBron James. He did his part. He did it right. And he went on. Ali was respected, and he was the best at his sport at the time, too. He just didn't have access to a microphone and took advantage of it, like uh, Kaepernick. One year, had a microphone, thought he was, no, you were a flash in the pan, you're done, shut up and go home. LeBron's kind of doing the same thing, but he's taking advantage of the fact he's got celebrity to do this. Ali never hid behind, or hid behind his celebrity or said, I'm a celebrity, give me the microphone, and do what I say. He boxed, he trash-talked, but he didn't push his Muslim's beliefs or his other beliefs when he was boxing. When he was done, then he did that. Time and place for everything. Again, another reason Ali was respected. Um, as I said, he was born in 1942. This Sunday would be his birthday. Um, you know, I... His daughter boxed for a while. She went undefeated. Layla Ali. Um, I think she won Dancing with the Stars. Um, she's a very good personality. You see her on stuff every now and then. I think she learned a lot from her father how to be decent to people, especially the media. They will wreck you, and they will make you. They made Ali. And Ali made sports media at the time, too. He helped make them be more than just the guy at the microphone. Hi, how are you? You know, he let them be a person too. Um, 
Cassius Clay was, you know, uh, and one thing I read during the thing, he uh, had dyslexia. So that's why he focused on his boxing. And when he got in the religion part, it was really hard for him, but that's why he focused so hard on it. He could just like read a pamphlet and go, hey, that's cool. He had to really focus on it. Um, he had a left by the family, everything he did. Uh, ESPN blew it. He was athlete of the century. Everybody else said so. Um, not, not taking away from MJ or Babe Ruth, but just Ali was the original GOAT, the original greatest of all time. He even coined the phrase, saw that for, it's his. Um, so that is the athlete of the week. And you have, awesome. what do you have in your, your Walkman this week, sir? Yeah, Ollie was Ollie was good, uh, the best. It was un, unbelievable watching some of his uh, fights. Uh, and his build, he wasn't big muscles. He was just that Thriller in Manila. Thriller in Manila. I've got uh, unlike unlike Joel Prisbilla, who was the Vanilla Gorilla. Vanilla Gorilla. Joel Don't get the Prisbilla. two confused. Yes. Album of the week this week is a 1977 release, self-titled by Sammy Hagar. Sammy Hagar, this was 1977. Sammy Hagar is a self-titled second studio album by American rock vocalist Sammy Hagar, released in January 1977. So it's 44 years old this month, this album. Uh, released on Capitol Records, it's often referred to as the Red album. Not, not quite the Beatles' White album, but... Uh, or Metallica's Black album. Or Metall's, Metallica's Black. But Sammy Hagar, uh, referred to as the Red album, as it includes Hagar's first anthem, the song Red, uh, his favorite color, of course, and he sings about it in the song Red, uh, which is also the nickname, the basis for his nickname called the Red Rocker, Sammy Hagar, the Red Rocker. The album cover was a distinctive cover image shot in Stockwell Road, London. In the midst of the rows of the red Pride and Clark auto shops, these red painted buildings were also the scene, uh, were also seen in the 1966 film Blow Up. Sammy Hagar went into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2007. Uh, this album was considered hard rock. Uh, I would disagree with that now. It really isn't hard rock at all. There's a couple of good songs in the album, but uh, um, it certainly isn't hard rock. It's 38 minutes, 30 and 38 minutes, 48 seconds long. Producer John Carter. Well, the personnel on this album is Sammy Hagar, lead vocals and guitar. Bass is done by Bill Church. Keyboards, Alan Fitzgerald. Guitar, David Lewark. And drums, Scott Matthews. Youngster playing drums back then. Uh, if you uh, sound, if the name sounds familiar, he went on to be a multi-platinum selling producer. A lot of big acts uh, later later on. Here's the track listing for the for the album. First song is Red. Second song is Catch the Wind. Third song Cruising and Boozing. Song four is Free Money. Five Rock and Roll Weekend. Six, the Fillmore Shuffle. Seven, Hungry. Eight, the Pits. Number nine, Love Has Found Me. And finally, number 10, song is Little Star, followed by the instrumental Eclipse that follows that. Now, the interesting thing with this, with this record is the 10 songs. 
there's really only, I think, five songs on there by Sammy Hagar. There's four cover songs, and there's uh, a couple fillers. Cover songs are this. Older listeners in our listening audience may uh, be familiar with some of these songs. The song Catch the Wind is a cover song by Donovan. The second time Sammy Hagar actually covered a song by Donovan. Very influential at the time. Song Free Money is a cover song by Patti Smythe. Free Money. Song six, The Fillmore Shuffle. That's a cover song from the band Pilot. Fillmore Shuffle was basically the lyrics talk about drug addiction in the Fillmore District in San Francisco in the 60s. Uh, the Fillmore Shuffle wind up dead, wind up, wind up passed out on the streets in San Francisco in the Fillmore area. They called that the Fillmore Shuffle. The song Hungry was the cover song from the song Hungry from Paul Revere and the Raiders. So, so Sammy Hagar here, this is only his second, self, uh, second really so studio album. You know, a bunch of cover songs brought in here because that was more of his background. Uh, filled in this with the personnel with some of these uh, session guys that became really the band, but really it's a, it's a Sammy uh, Hagar group. So the album came out 44 years ago this month. Uh, his first album came out, his solo album was called Nine on a Ten Scale. Nine on a Ten Scale. Now, the song Red, I don't know if you'll know this, Andy. Actually, Bette Midler did a cover song of Red in her own collection. She covered Sammy Hagar's song, Red. And, and then she released, uh, she actually released it in 1977 on her album, Broken Blossom. She also covered, Bette Midler also covered Keep On Rockin'. She covered the Sammy Hagar Keep On Rockin' and was released, released that in the 1979 album, the, uh, the soundtrack for The Rose. That's right, yep. Well, Sammy Hagar had a, a couple things there. That's really the reason I picked it, Andy, is had a lot of notations on that album. It's not one that I pop in the record player a lot. He's got a, there's probably a couple of good songs in that whole album, but the cover songs are pretty good, but very noteworthy. Which is kind of the whole circle of life thing. So Sammy Hager has an album has a lot of covers on it. Kind of like Van Halen's Diver Down had a lot of covers on it. David Lee Roth liked doing covers. Sammy Hagar replaces David Lee Roth. Hmm. I see a pattern here. A lot, a lot of covers. They had fun doing the cover songs, those guys. And later, you know, he played with a band. I'm not sure what it was called, but he was with Jason Bonham. John Bonham's Oh, yeah, son. yeah. He and, Eddie, and Wolfgang Van Halen, uh, the son of the yeah. Van, uh, Van Halen. So a uh, lot of connections there with those guys. He went on to, of Is course. Chicken Front, Foot? Uh, Chicken Foot, yes. Yep. And so he, he, none of these first, I think, five albums of his even reached gold status, much less platinum. But then he joined up with, with uh, Van Halen, did the 5150. Well, VOA with I Can't Drive 55. The VOA that, album. that came out uh, VOA and uh, he had some he had some good songs, but oh yeah, Sammy's I like this. I'm, Sammy. I'm not a big Sammy Hagar fan, but I do respect some of his early work. It's it's some good stuff, but I was surprised to see the number of cover songs he did on it. If you look up look look him up on uh, YouTube, uh, especially during, during this pandemic, 
his band, they've done a lot of stuff on there. It's good listening to. I mean, I think that the whole VOA, I Can't Drive 55 song. Sammy Hagar is a good in the car to listen to type music. Yeah. You know, it's good. It's better than background noise because you want to listen to it. It's good, it's good music. Uh, maybe something to listen to in your, as you're on your exercise bike. You know, it's got a, a more of an upbeat. I wouldn't call Sammy Hagar hard rock. He's rock and roll. Yeah. He, he's rock and roll. Kind of like Night Rangers rock and roll, not hard rock. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, that's we've kind of talked about it a little bit before. We didn't, I don't know who this guy is. He comes up with these titles on some of these things on who's rock and roll, who's hard rock, who's heavy metal, who's glam, whatever. You know? The genre. Genre. Uh, this one was released on Capitol Records. But, yeah, it's classified as hard rock. But this is 1977. And, and, boy, 76 the year before with with the hard rock tunes with, with Kiss and Ted Nugent and uh, Fleetwood yep. Mac. This is huge years in, in in heavy metal. And he came out here with this one. And a lot of the songs are very soft. And, okay, the one song you did about uh, the drug use in California, there was drug use in California in the 60s. And and there was a lot a lot of it, and uh, a lot of those bands covered that, and and then covered yeah. it as, as a topic. And then Sammy came up and then covered that. But Fillmore Shuffle. Yeah, and you'd think you'd. I mean, they're all different. I mean, the one simple thing had how many different songs come up, and they're all different. And then people were remaking them and stuff like that afterwards, which is Sammy knew the remakes. I never knew he did that many covers on that album. I was I was surprised when I was doing the re- review this week uh, by how many and how. Um, how much influence she was by uh, by other artists. So, have you seen Sammy? Re- Sammy looks good still. He still sounds good. You know, I like he's I like only, his stuff. Still. He's, he's like sixty three years old, I believe. Uh, he's a year older than Bill Clinton. Because I remember they, I saw a picture of the two of them compared how they're <laughs> the same age. He's got the he's got the long uh, shaggy hair, not yeah. long but shoulder length. Bill Clinton looks like death warmed over, and you know. Sammy Vegas yes. still go out there and do it, gotcha. you know. Gotcha. Yeah, he does. He does good. He's turned into more of a more of a Jimmy Buffett kind of a guy for our generation. You know, That's that Cabo Wabo tequila gone down that road. But, uh, yeah, something in that, I think. Red Rocker was good back in the day. He's pretty wild, wild guy. So he That's drinks the album tequila of the week. He drinks tequila. Looks good. Jimmy Buffett's got margaritas. He looks good at an old age. Just saying. Just saying. Exactly. Exactly. But um, yes, Thursday, we're doing this episode early because of travel this weekend. Um, so see how right we are when you listen to it this weekend, how, how good we were on our picks. Um, next week, we'll be back at it with uh, Super Bowl predictions or conference championship predictions, and which will lead to our Super Bowl picks after that. Hopefully, we'll, we'll have probably more high have the, the Pro Bowl players will be named by then, I think, as well. So we'll cover that maybe. Yes, they started naming some of the, you know, yes. Because Gunner was mentioned for kick the returner. Pro, pro Bowl, okay. I mean, the. Yeah, uh, that was games. all the. There is no Pro Bowl. They're doing some kind of uh, special. So there's be no game, obviously, this year. But the networks are still doing some kind of special. We'll have all of them there. And they can all sit and tell each other how great they are and <laughs> slap each other on the back. But awesome. that's all we got. All right. See you next time. Take care. Thanks.